Thanks for checking out the One Church podcast today. If you are new to One Church and want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at imonechurch.com. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. You got a Bible? Turn to Habakkuk 2.3. Habakkuk 2.3. If you got a real Bible, you might have to fake it. Just pick Hosea or Hebrews. Just something with an H. Just get close. You know, you got, you, every now and then you got to just kind of fake it till you make it. And some, I, I, I'll be honest with you and tell you that I have faked Micah for Malachi many a time. Like I just got to, hey, I got to find it. I, I can't find it. I don't have time. Preacher's moving too fast. We got to go. Okay. So, uh, but, but Habakkuk 2 and verse 3, I feel like I got a word for you. And uh, before I jump into this, you need to know something about this church is we believe that a quiet church is a dead church. And we are not a dead church. You may be here and you might be like, man, this worship is exciting. What is the deal? I don't know if you know this, but Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died on a cross for me. He set me free. He delivered me. I think he's worth being excited about. I think he's worth celebrating. I think, you know what? He sent his word to heal my disease. I think it's worth celebrating and I think it's worth response. Sitting there quietly is good for a a, a lecture or teaching, but it's not good for, in my opinion, for the word of God. The Bible says that, you know what, you you exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask, think, or imagine. I believe that we come in and we say, you know what, I'm going to expect something great. So we, you can say, amen. You can say, that's good. You can say, preach baldy. (laughs) Just don't cuss at me. I I don't like being cussed at because that hurts my feelings. Uh, But you can say about anything, but I just believe this. Word of God deserves response. So when you say amen, you know what? You're saying, so be it into my life. Amen? Come on, just try it. Come on, just try it. Say amen. Amen, Amen. that's good. Real quick, Denver Hines, our campus pastor in in Sulphur Springs, it's his birthday. Come on. Love Denver. Celebrate him. I'm not going to sing happy birthday because I don't have time for that. Uh, Habakkuk 2.3. I've got it right here. Okay, Habakkuk 2.3. says this. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. Come on, say wait for it. Come on, say wait for it. Say it like you mean it. Say, wait for it. Tell your neighbor, say, wait for it. Tell your other neighbor, say, wait for it. Tell your third choice, wait for it. Wait for it. If it seems slow, wait for it. Don't give up on it. Don't stop believing in it. Journey that bad boy. Don't stop believing. Wait for it. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Amen? Taking notes today and you want to title this message, you can title it, Don't Waste the Waiting. Don't Waste the Waiting. Lord, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your Word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a Word from man, they come to hear a Word from you. So, Lord, I pray that you would use me. Speak to the hearts and the lives of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said? 
Now, this is a hard scripture for me. Because one thing you need to know about your pastor is I am not the most patient person in the world. In fact, I would probably go so far, and my wife would probably agree, is that I'm a little bit impatient. She probably wouldn't agree with the little bit part, but she would agree with I am impatient. Any, any impatient people out there, just raise your hands like you just don't care. Some of you are like, I'm not even patient enough to raise my hand for that. You just, you just, you just impatient, right? And I hate waiting. If we go to a restaurant and I walk in and they say 45 minutes before I get a table, I can be in and out at in and out in like 10. Okay. And done water burger, bring it on sucker. I'm out and I'm at the house in 45 minutes, right? That's, that's the way I see it. I better know that your food is amazing. It better be incredible because I'm waiting 45 minutes to get a table. And then how long am I going to have to wait before I get food? I mean, you have some hope if it's a Mexican food place, because at least you get chips and salsa. If it's a good place, you get chips and salsa before they bring out the food, but it's, it's still this waiting. I hate waiting. One place I really hate waiting is airports. Hate waiting at airports. I I despise waiting at airports. And the thing is, is that I'm really pretty good with the waiting at the airport. I I do okay as, because I'll get there. I I don't know about y'all, maybe you're not like this, but when I get to the airport, the the first thing I do is I have to get to the gate. I, I don't know why. Crystal's like, why? The gate's there. We know where it's at. It shows it's in that direction. Why are we have to go? I'm like, I just have to go physically see the gate. And then once I see it, I can go do whatever. And one of the reasons why is because I like to walk over and I like to look at that board and it says my flight, all the information. And then I love to see on time because I'm good with waiting if it's on time because it's on my schedule. I'd plan for this. It's within the time frame that I allotted. So I know that I'm going to be boarding this plane in an hour, hour and 15 minutes. We're going to be in good shape. It's going to be awesome. It's on time. And what I'll do while I'm waiting every now and then I get up because I'm going to be sitting a long time. I like to walk around and really I just like to walk over to the board and look and see it's on time. And you dread the moment that it says delayed. I start, I'm like, what? (laughs) Delayed? Like, American Airlines, you need to get your act together here. What are you talking about? It's delayed. Like, what's going on? And then what I do is I walk to the window, you know, those huge windows. I walk to the window and I look out and look and see if the plane is there. Because if the plane is at the gate, we're talking 15, 20 minutes max. But if the plane ain't there, you don't know where in the world that thing is. It could be coming from Sydney, Australia, for crying out loud. I could be locked in this place for 24 hours. I don't know how long. it. So I, I just walk around, and I start trying to figure out what's going on. I'm like checking news alerts. Like, is there, is there something that's going to tell me why I am delayed? I'll walk up to passengers. Hey, you know what's going on with the delay? And then they start talking to me like, yeah, yeah, I heard this, this. What, what, where'd you hear? No, you did. You don't know what. Nobody knows what's going on. We're delayed. And I hate being delayed. Now, my wife is completely the opposite. She will read 
a sign like delayed. She goes over and she finds herself a little cozy corner, preferably with a plug so she can at least charge her phone. She pulls out a book and starts reading. A book. There's no time for a book. We, we got a delay on our hands. Like, we've got some stuff to figure out. We need to know what's going on. Why are you reading right now? Why, this is not the time to read. This is not the time for learning. This is the time to figure out what's really going on and what's happening. But what I have learned is that my wife is just as frustrated about the delay as I am. She's aggravated. She's frustrated. She doesn't like it. I don't know anybody that likes just hanging out in airports. If you do, there's something wrong with you. You probably need to get that checked out. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know anybody that does that. She doesn't like the fact that we're delayed, but she knows something. That there is nothing that she can do to make the plane get there faster. There is nothing that she can do to get on board quicker. There is nothing that she can do to get home faster. There's nothing that she can do. And so while she can't change the delay, what she can do is refuse to waste the waiting. And in the moment of waiting, in the moment of I'm, I'm waiting on this to happen for me, I'm waiting on this plane to get here so I can get home, I can make myself better in the process. I can make myself a better mom. I can make myself a better leader. I can make myself a better businesswoman. I can do something to increase my value as a person. She refuses to waste the waiting the whole time I'm wasting the waiting. You know, I think that a lot of people are living their life waiting on God to bring them their promise. They're, they're wondering like, God, okay, when's it going to get here? When's it going to be here? What time are you dropping it off? It, it seems to be delayed, and I'm just wondering what's going on. And so we start asking random people what they think. Facebook is a great place for advice. But we just start asking anybody, please tell me an answer. Why is it delayed? What's going on? And we think that we're waiting on God to drop the promise off. But I just want to ask you a question. Could it be the exact opposite? Could it be that God is waiting on you to get ready for the promise that he wants to bring you? Could it be that God is saying, I've got the promise ready. It's packaged. It's ready to deliver. It's, it's just, all I'm doing is waiting on you to get ready for the promise that I want to bring you. Because if I dropped it off to you right now, you're not ready. You can't handle what I'm bringing you. You can't handle what I plan to deliver to you. We get so focused on the destination that we miss the opportunities in front of us. We waste the waiting. We waste the time that God has given us. We, we waste those moments that God has delivered to us. And as much as I hate to say this, because I remember, I'm not a patient person. I have discovered that all of life is a waiting room. 
one giant waiting room. When you're in kindergarten, you can't wait to get to first grade. When you're in first grade, you just can't wait to get to middle school. In middle school, I can't wait to get to high school. In high school, I can't wait to get to college. In college, I can't wait to get out into the real world. Just wait. And get a job. And then you get the job and you go, I can't wait to retire. And life is all a giant waiting room. Your neighbor's waiting on something. The person next to you right now is waiting on something. The truth is, is that's the way life is. And we have a a tendency to think of a waiting room. And when I think of waiting room, I think of a stale, cold room with a chair and a a table with 10-year-old magazines on it. I'm like, at least update your magazines. Come on. I mean, old magazines, something to pacify you in the moment while you're waiting. But the reality is, is that waiting rooms look different to everyone. Waiting rooms look completely different to everyone. Joseph had a waiting room that was a prison. He had a promise from God. God had given him a dream, something amazing. He shared the dream, had it in his heart, and he's sitting in a prison waiting. Moses had a dream. God had put something in in his heart, and Moses' waiting room looked like a desert for 40 years. Stinking hot desert waiting. If I got to be in a waiting room, I like Esther's waiting room. Because Esther's waiting room, come on ladies, was a year of spa treatments. Manny's and petties, man. That's what I get. She's really roughing it, right? I just have to believe that her house in heaven's a little smaller than most, right? That's just, it's only fair, right? But that, that was her waiting room. She's waiting to do what God has called her to do, and she's in this waiting period. David, he's been anointed king of all of Israel. And he finds himself in a waiting pattern, tending sheep in his father's field, waiting, just waiting. And you begin to understand that all of these people are waiting, but in the waiting, they didn't waste the waiting. In the time that they spent In the waiting room, they decided, I'm going to do something with my life. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to become somebody better in this waiting. And sometimes it's the waiting that makes you better. So we wait. And we wait. What does your waiting room look like? Most of you aren't trapped in the desert. You're not in prison. You're sure not at the spa. What does it look like to you? Maybe it looks like another year in an apartment while you wait to save for your dream house. And you're waiting. Maybe it looks 
like being single again another year while you wait for your dream spouse. It can look like all kinds of things to all kinds of different people, but waiting is a part of life. It's something that we all must do. It's something that we all must go through to get to the promise that God has for us. But the danger about waiting is, is what we have a tendency to do is lower our expectations in the waiting. We stop believing that God can really do what he said he would do. That God could really deliver on the promise that he said that he would do. We, we begin to lower our expectations and, and think there is no way that this is ever going to happen. And so we start looking at something because anything is better than nothing. So we begin to lower our expectations in the waiting. We begin to get frustrated. We begin to get aggravated. Because it seems like it's never going to happen. And if that's you today, I just want to talk to you. Maybe you've been waiting on a promise. Maybe you've been waiting on a dream. Maybe you've been waiting for God to do something in your life. And it feels like it's never going to happen. It feels like it's never going to come to pass. It's never going to get here. And you've been tempted to settle. You've been tempted to give up. You've been tempted to throw in the towel. You've been tempted to say, you know what? They're, they're, it's not going to happen, so I'll just take anything. Can I just tell you that God is not wasting the waiting? God has you in a place, and if you'll just hold on, if you'll hold on to his promise, I promise you, even though in Habakkuk 2, 3, it says, even though it seems slow, even though it seems like it's never going to get here, even though it seems like it might never arrive, just keep waiting. Keep waiting. God says this, it will show up in your life. It will not delay. God's timing is perfect. I've learned there's two different kinds of timing, my timing and God's timing. And God's timing and my timing are not even close because I want it now. Come on, we live in a microwave generation, right? And now then we're standing, we're standing here at the microwave like, come on, really? Seriously, five minutes? How, how does it take five minutes to cook noodles? This should only take three. We all know this. Let's move on, right? Come on. And we hate the waiting. We've become impatient. We don't, we don't want to wait for the promise. You know what they're telling me now? As a pastor, you can only handle 12 minutes of teaching because you can't wait. We got places to go, we got things to do, we got, we got Facebook to check for crying out loud. We've got, we've got, we got restaurants to go to. And, and, and here's the thing is that's, that's not what God has intended. God says this, you know what? With faith and patience come the promise. With faith and patience come the promise. And maybe you're in a holding pattern and maybe you're sitting going, man, I don't know if it will ever happen in my life, but God says this, don't waste the waiting. He's got a promise for you. And just because you can't see God working on your promise does not mean that he's not working on it. I recently read about um, a teacher who decided to do a study to see how patient her students were. So she came into the classroom. They were, it was end of school year, so of course it was movie day. And uh, she brought in week old stale donuts Come on, the kind that if you throw, you could actually kill somebody, you know? 
week-old stale donuts. And she brings them in and she sets them down in front of her class and she said, hey, these are really stale and they're really old, but you're welcome to whatever you want. You can have as many of them as you want. But if you'll wait 20 minutes, I will have some hot, fresh, Krispy Kreme goodness in front of you in 20 minutes. If you'll just wait. Within 10 minutes, every one of those kids was eating stale donuts. There was hot, fresh goodness around the corner. But they decided to settle for something less than what the teacher had promised. And that's some of you today is you're going, you know what, stale donuts is looking pretty good right now. I mean, I'm just going to be real because I've been waiting on this promise from God. I've been waiting on this dream job. I've been waiting on this kid. I, I, I've, been wait, I've been waiting for, to get out of debt. I've been waiting on my dream house. And the truth is, is that, that stale's starting to look pretty good. Stale's starting to look like, man, I, I, I think it might be worth settling for because I would rather have something. What if I get down the road and I still don't have anything? I'll take whatever I can get, ladies. When you were 21, you said, God, bring me a man that is tall, dark, and handsome. He's got flowing locks of hair, (laughs) six-pack abs. He's tan. He loves kids. He loves me. And he's rich. I mean, not a little rich, but like really rich. He loves God. He loves the church. That's what I want. And by 30, God, just bring me a man. (laughs) Hair is optional. Six-pack abs, not necessary. He can be pasty as all get out, God. I don't even care at this point. A job would be nice, but not necessary. And it's in the waiting that you begin to lower your expectations. And you begin to say, you know, I, I, maybe I was too far out in front. Maybe, again, Ephesians 3.20, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine. The problem is, is we stop asking, we stop thinking, we stop imagining what God has put in our hearts so long ago. And what we do is, is we start settling. Anything will do. I'll take anything if you'll just give it to me right now, don't settle for less. In Genesis 12, we read about Abram and Sarah. You may know them better as Abraham and Sarah. And God shows up in their life and he gives them a promise that they were gonna have a kid. Now this was a big deal because Sarai was barren. She couldn't have kids. They had tried and tried and tried and nothing ever seemed to happen. Nothing would ever happen. She, she never could have kids. And so God shows up and begins to speak to Abram and says, hey, Abram, I know that this is a desire of your heart. I know this is a dream in your heart. So I just want you to know that you're gonna have a kid. You're gonna have a son. 
It's going to be awesome. Now, you can imagine how exciting this news is. Immediately, he goes home and he says, hey, Sarah, guess what? You're never going to guess what God said to me today. We were hanging out. We were talking. And he said this, we're going to have a kid. We're going to have a son. Can you believe that? And can you imagine the excitement in the moment? Yes. Let's get in here and try it. And Abram was like, yes. Way to go, God. And month one comes and goes. There's nothing. Okay, God, it's cool. Probably just needed a few more minutes. Plan this thing out. It's going to be good. Month two comes and goes. Still nothing. Month three, nothing. Month four. Hello. Month six, nothing. Still waiting. God, didn't you? That wasn't bad pizza, was it? I, like you really did speak to me and said we were going to have a kid, right? What's going on? I don't, I, I, I'm still waiting. It's delayed. Why, ha, why hasn't it arrived yet? Why hasn't it got to me yet? Now, you've got to understand this and put yourself in a situation because in those days, women had a lot of babies. I mean, we have, we have kids now, but they have a lot of babies. So you can imagine that Sarah has this promise in her heart that God says, you're going to have a baby. And month one comes, nothing. Month two comes, nothing. Month three comes, nothing. Month six comes, still nothing. And all this time, Sally's pregnant again? Oh, Betty, are you serious? She's That's 15 kids for crying out loud, lady. Hearing about announcements about other people that are having what God has promised them. Over and over and over again. Going to another baby shower that wasn't hers. Shopping at Target for another outfit for a kid that's not hers. Lying in bed in a tent. It's a waiting room. And hearing laughter and cries from children next door to you that aren't yours. But God, didn't you say? Like, didn't you say this was going to happen for me? Didn't you say that you were going to give me a promise in Genesis 12? You promised me that we were going to have this happen. Now, you, you read on in Genesis 15... A few chapters pass by, and God shows up in Genesis 15, 1, and says, Sometime later, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram. About time. Sometime later. What, what are we talking here? Three, five hours, maybe? Like, I mean, it's just a few chapters. It can't take that long, right? I, I mean, what, maybe a year? The truth is, is we don't know exact time, but every scholar will say this, that it was at least 10 years. 10 years in a waiting room after you've been promised by God that you were going to get something that you've been crying out for for years. 10 years in a waiting room, 120 months of empty arms. 
120 months of hearing about birth announcements, 120 months of shopping for somebody else's kid. It's not yours, and I'm still waiting. Still waiting. Abram sees disappointment in his wife's face. At first, it was just crying when they found out that they weren't pregnant again. But it's much worse now because now she doesn't even mention pregnancy. She doesn't even talk about babies. She quietly comes to bed, rolls over, and goes to sleep. They're waiting. They're waiting. If anybody could know what this Habakkuk 2-3, if it seems slow, 10 years, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will come to pass. So here's the deal, is that Abram's in a waiting room, lying next to a wife who's disappointed. Lying next to a wife who hasn't seen the promise, who wants so badly to hold a child in her arms. Abram's heartbroken. And he begins to speak to God. God, are you there? God, it's been 10 years. God, on the day that you spoke to me, the dream was so alive. God, on the day you spoke to me, I was so excited to come home, tell my wife that we were going to have a son. But it's been 10 years, God. We're still waiting. We're still waiting. When is it ever going to happen? And I love what God says in Genesis 15. He shows up and he speaks. He says, Abram, get out of your tent. So Abram begins to step out of his tent. He begins to walk up. He tries not to wake his wife. He steps out and he looks around and God says this, look up at the stars. Count them if you can. So shall your descendants be. See, Abram, you've been thinking addition and I've had to get addition out of you because I'm thinking about multiplication. I'm thinking of some something so much bigger. Count the stars if you can. And Abram begins to number, God, I see that star. One, two, three. And the whole time Abram's counting stars, God is counting you. God is saying, I see you, Jimmy. I see you, Denver. I see you, Salem. I see you, Bear. I see you. And I know that you don't see it, Abram, but what I have in you is so much bigger than what you see in yourself. Wait for it. It seems slow. It seems like it's never going to get there, but wait for it anyway. 
promise is worth it. It's hard in the season. You want to settle. You want to take less. You want to give up. You want to throw in the towel. You want to call it quits. Wait for it. See, God did something amazing in this moment. He changed Adam's, Abram's perspective. He changed Abram's perspective. And some of you, God wants to change your perspective today. Some of you need to get out of your tent. Some of you need to get out of the place of disappointment. Some of you need to get out of the place of frustration and aggravation and wanting to quit. You need to step outside of that place and you need to look up to the stars where your help comes from, which is in God and God alone. And say, God, I need you to change my perspective. See, God changed Abram's perspective. And I love this because Abram did something for God. We see it, verse 15 and 6. And Abram believed. God has sent me here today to tell you don't give up. Don't you lose faith. Don't you quit. Don't you stop believing that God has promised you. Don't you settle for less than what he plans for you. And Abram believed. Ten years of waiting. Ten years of empty arms. Ten years of of sitting back going, God, is this ever going to happen? And in that moment of disappointment, God showed him something bigger than he could ever imagine. And you know what he said? God, I see you. I see that you're bigger. I see that you can do this. I see, I I still believe. I believe like the day that you told me. I believe that you can do it. Come on. God wants to restore your faith. Believe again leave again don't you quit I know what it's like to be disappointed I know what it's like to be frustrated I know what it's like to want to quit I've been there many times keep believing keep holding on to the promise keep standing in faith you know when we started our building campaign I just really believed that it would happen so quickly I just have big faith. I'm like, let's do it. And I just believed. A month went by, nothing. Still didn't have enough money. Y'all, y'all were faithful to give. Still not enough money, though. Bank said, nah, nah, try again. Month two. Month three. And it got to the point to where I was in a tent. And every time I would drive by the land that we purchased in our first year, I would turn my head away. I wouldn't even look at it. In January, God began to speak to me. He said, you know what? You've lowered your expectations. And he gave me a word. He said, expect. And so I, you know what I did? I said, God, I'm going to believe again. So every day in my phone at 7.30 a.m., an alarm goes off. It says, today is the day that God could give you a building. I don't have it yet, but I know this, that I look up to heaven and I know that God's timing is perfect. 
And I'm not wasting the waiting because you know what? People are still getting saved. People are still finding community. People are still being set free. People are still encountering Jesus. Our youth are on fire for Jesus. I'm not wasting the waiting. What I have in me is bigger than any building. Don't waste the waiting. Keep holding on to the promise. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. One day, it seems slow, but his promise will come. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap. One Church, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go online to imonechurch.com slash give. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at imonechurch.com. Thanks for listening and have a great week.